takes a significant amount of courage to relocate. Deciding to take up your family and go to a new place is not an easy decision by any stretch of the imagination. There are so many different things for us to consider. Can you afford the housing? Is the cost of living different where you're going? How will you feel about leaving your family, leaving your friends? What will it be like to meet new people? Are the people where you're going friendly like the people are where you are now? What about all the familiarity of knowing where the stores are and what your favorite parks are? What about all that stuff that we just enjoy that's, that's around us that's such a huge part of our lives? These are questions that, that we would ask in our time. But for us, we're sort of blessed because we can find good answers to most of those questions with a good internet search. Leaving family and friends is difficult, but we, we have good vehicles and we can travel to see each other. We have digital means by which to stay in touch. You can talk with someone anywhere in the world as long as there is a halfway decent internet connection on both ends. But even with those concerns alleviated, even in our time, it's still a very hard thing to relocate. Imagine what it would have been like for someone in the ancient world Today we look at the call of Abram and said that he is called by God to go from his country. Think about what that means in Abram's time. He didn't go get a truck from U-Haul. He didn't have packing boxes and bubble wrap, even though I'm sure bubble wrap would have been a great entertaining thing to have after you moved because there was no TV or anything like that. You could have just sat in your tent and popped bubble wrap. That would have been great. But as you can see, this would be a difficult thing to do. Traveling in that time, most people probably wouldn't have left more than 10 to 20 miles outside where they were born unless they were nomadic. And Abram would have been nomadic, but it still would have been a big step because he's leaving the security of the house and dominion of his father. Abram leaving was a big step of faith, and it is one that is vital to our understanding, to our understanding of God's continuing promise that we've been following through the book of Genesis. And so as we return to Genesis this week, we're going to be looking at this story of Abram. And as we get introduced to him this week, we're going to see three important things in our passage we're going to see that God calls Abram to leave his current country and go to a place where God will show him the land. As I've already pointed out, this required great faith. And this is what is drawn out for us in the New Testament. Whenever Abraham is brought up, we get this idea that he is an example of faith and that ultimately his life is more than just a model of obedience for us. In fact, we might want to not want to emulate some of the stuff that Abram and Ab or Abraham does. Instead, he's a model of faith. And that faith points us to salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And this is so important for us to understand. Abram leaves his country because he believes God. When God spoke to him, he believed him. And so that brings us to the second point that we're going to have today. God makes 
a promise to Abram. The call to leave is not just a random idea to see if he'll be obedient. God speaks to him. God makes a promise. That promise is that he will bless Abram and make his name great. And through the blessing of Abram, all the families of the earth will be blessed. And this is an outstanding promise because we're going to go back and we're going to take a look at chapter 11 of Genesis. It's been a while since we read it. We're going to go back and look at it. And what we're going to see is that his wife is barren. Sarai is barren. And yet God says he is going to make him into a great nation. This promise would have been unbelievable to Abram, whose wife is barren. And even if, he, even if she is just simply barren, she's also too old to have children. Still, as we saw last week when we talked about Abraham in Hebrews, God made a promise and he will keep it. And lastly, God makes more than just a promise of plenty of grandchildren and great-grandchildren to Abram. He makes a promise that he will bring his offspring into a particular plot of land going forward. And we'll see in the unfolding story of redemption here in the Old Testament, we've seen it already, there's this recurring story over and over of God bringing his people into a place promised to them. But the people disobey and they're banished. They're sent from that place. And this idea of the land here in this passage is the continuing story that we started back in the garden. And it continues through until it's fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ. God brings his people back, but time after time, they disobey and they're banished from the promised land, just as our first parents were banished from the garden. But this promise of a land for Abram's offspring is important to help us understand and interpret the Old Testament, but it also helps us to better appreciate how Jesus is our true promised land. He is what the promised land was pointing to. And so we begin with our first point and see the call of God on Abram today as we land in verse 1. As we come here, we, we see that God is speaking to Abram. And we don't know how God spoke to Abram, but the message, the message that he speaks to him is extremely clear. Go. That means picking up and leaving everything he knows. That, that probably means leaving a region that you're pretty familiar with. It also means continuing to move even when it might be comfortable or profitable to remain in a certain area. Abram is called to go. So where is he called to go? That's a pretty specific command, go. Well, from his country, that's not very specific. As I've said, Abram would have been nomadic and moved around, but, but God says that he does have a country. Even though it would have been normal for Abram to move around with the herds, he's in a place that he's familiar with. He has a place that he's from. He has a place that God tells him to leave. He isn't just moving around randomly. He has a country. Abram has a place that is his home, a place where he's familiar with the terrain, where he understands where there's food for his animals. And we see that this is also a place where his family is. And there's also something important we need to understand that we, that we learn from elsewhere in Scripture. Abraham, or Abram here, and his family, even though they were in the line of the promise, even though they're in these genealogies going to Jesus, we learn that when they're in Ur, when Abram is with his family, they were not, they were not following the one true God. They were in idolatry. 
And so this call, this call not only tells Abram to leave the familiar of his location and the love and security of family, this call on Abram is a call to leave the idols. It's a call to leave the false gods that he was holding to. And this is obviously substantial. It shows that Abram is called to leave pretty much everything. But at least, you know, this call to leave everything you know, everything you're familiar with, at least God is being really specific with Abram here. He's giving him all kinds of clear instructions, lots of details on where he's supposed to go. At least Abram has that, right? Is that enough sarcasm there for you? Is it dripping enough? Abram doesn't know anything. It would have been scary to leave, even if you know where you're going, but Abram doesn't know a thing. God is telling Abram to leave everything you know and go to a land that I will show you. And I don't think that you and I can truly fathom that anymore. Maybe in times past, before GPS and Google Maps, we could have understood a little bit better. And I'm going to explain this for you kids, maybe even some of you older kids. You don't know what it used to be like to get directions from people. It was miserable. Now, now we have addresses for everything, even in the country. But when I was a kid, we didn't have addresses for being in the country. You had to tell people where you lived and where they had to turn. And right now, even most of the time, GPS apps will get you to places in the country. But we used to have to turn after the third tree and look for the house with the big barn. I'm getting smiles from people. That's the way it used to be. And, and it also has a grove with really big trees, right? But now... We have clear places to go. But back then, even in cities, even if we had a pretty detailed map, we would still have these incredibly awkward uh, situations where our mothers would tell our fathers to stop and ask for directions. It wasn't pretty. We always had this sense of we know where we're going, but we have no idea where we're going. But now we can not only get these directions from an app, but we can also zoom in and see an aerial photo of what it's looked like. Oh, I see. Bob's house is across the street from a park. Or you can even get in and get down to street view. And you can actually see what the place that you're going to looks like. Wouldn't that have been nice? All the arguments that could have been solved outside gas stations. But now we, we can see where we're going. We rarely have a doubt about where we're going. And yet Abram's only GPS was God. And we think, hey, that's great. God knows everything. God's far better than any of our GPS systems. But there was no specific destination for him. There was no time of arrival for Abram. There was no clear picture of what it would look like when he got there. In fact, there wasn't even any information on where he would go to the rest stops. I mean, this, this was not good traveling plans. God is calling Abram out from security and safety to something unknown. He's also calling him out of idolatry to something completely that, that he doesn't even know what it is. Here is God speaking to him. What does it mean to follow him instead of these idols? But we see that Abram believes by faith and he obeys God and the call that he's put on his life. But as we move on to the next two verses here, we're going to see our second point. There, there's more than just a call telling him to go. There's a promise that God bestows upon him. There's not just a command. God also proclaims what he is going to do for Abram. 
And Abraham is told to go from his country and from his family. And when he does that, what will God do? He will make him a great nation. It's important that we, that we understand that this is not a conquering army that God is talking about here. The promise of God here is that he will make him a great nation, not based upon the power of them, but based upon the number. This means he's going to have offspring and lots of them. Remember the covenant promises we've seen before in Genesis. Remember back to what we've been looking at uh, when we were in Genesis earlier on this year. They are that, that, that the people of God, the covenant people of God, will have offspring who are connected to the line to the Messiah, that they're going to lead us to this Redeemer, to this one who was promised in Genesis 3 to crush the head of the serpent. This promise to Abram is not just about Abram having personal success and having a lot of kids, or his being seen as an important historical figure. It's about the story of the Old Testament. It's about the line to the Messiah. That's the story here. And if you think this idea of of leaving your home country and and your family and idolatry is earth-shattering, wait until we remember, and I've already brought it up, but wait until we remember the most important detail of Abram's life that we learned in the genealogy in chapter 11. Look at those words there. Look at those. Sarai was barren. She had no child. This promise that's getting him to go off to only God knows where, right? That's the correct use of that phrase, is being made, and God is promising that this barren woman will have a child. And as we look at a genealogy of, of the, the, these words, of this idea of Sarah being barren, we would have to think this is it. This is the end of the line. Abraham's the child of the promise, but his wife is barren. It's over. The serpent is going to win. God is not going to crush his head as he promised. Instead, it's over. She's barren. She's old. The story's over. But that's not the case. And that is why this call and promise that we see here in this passage are so important to our understanding of the biblical story It seems as though by human standard, it's done, it's over. But what does God do? God saves, God keeps his promises. God is gonna do something here in the life of Abram and Sarai. He is going to take a couple that is childless and he's gonna turn them into a great nation. He is going to bless them and he will make Abram's name great for the purpose of being a blessing to others. And so the blessing of of God upon Abram is so important that he is going to receive the preservation of God. Those that bless Abram will be blessed by God, and those that dishonor Abram will be cursed. And that's a substantial promise right there. Don't Don't you wish you could get that arrangement, that whoever blesses you will be blessed by God, and whoever curses God or curses you will be cursed by God? That would be awesome. I mean, that's a great arrangement. Uh... Somebody gets upset with you in traffic, they get a flat tire. Yes, right? I'm guessing, though, that most of us probably wouldn't handle that very well. We might like to have those who dislike us being cursed a little little too much. But regardless of how we might react, this is an incredible promise. God is saying that he will be an ally of Abram 
but an adversary to those who oppose him. And we know, we know why this is true when we think about it. The promise that God is bestowing here is about the salvation of his people. It's about crushing the head of the serpent and bringing forgiveness to all those who fell in Adam. This promise is to Abram, but we see that ultimately it's to us. The promise that Abram would be a blessing to us is a foretaste of the truth that in Christ, people from every tribe, tongue, and nation will come into the family of God. That's us. We are all the families of the earth. And that's what it says here. All the families of the earth shall be blessed. It couldn't be any clearer. We first saw the gospel in Genesis 3 when Adam and Eve fell into sin and and God promised to crush the head of the serpent. We saw this promise follow the line of Seth and all the way to Noah and to his family. And now we have this promise once again. And we see that the promise is going to go to all nations. And before we move on to our final point, I want to remind you that this is the grace of God being exhibited to us here in this promise. This is all of grace here. Abram wasn't chosen because he was super righteous and the best guy for the job. Yes, he was in the line of the Messiah, but he was in idolatry. He needed to be rescued. God needed to rescue him by his grace from his his unbelief and his sin and his idolatry. The grace of God is not about what we do, but about what God has done to save his people. And the gospel is on full display for us in this story. God is rescuing Abram, and we too are rescued from sin and unbelief in the same way Abram was. God comes to us, gives us the gift of faith, and we believe and we're saved by grace through faith. And so as we close up our second point and head to the last several verses of this passage, we see that Abram has heard the call, he's heard the promise, and he responds by believing God and stepping out in faith and heads to this unknown land that's promised. Abram went, we are told. He did what the Lord told him to do. He was 75 years old. We know from other parts of Genesis that Sarai is 10 years younger. And so they're both quite old themselves to have a child. And Sarai is barren to begin with. And yet, what do they do? They step out in faith. Abram went. This isn't a story where, well, two strikes are against him. Maybe they've got a third chance. That's not how this goes. We know barren and too old, you're out. There is no chance by human standards of this promise being fulfilled. Yet, what do they do? They step out to a land that their offspring will receive. Not them, but their offspring. They step out without the offspring. Let that sink in. It would be one thing to find out that Sarai is with child and then leave. Instead, they leave everything in the hope of the promise. They leave for an unknown country in the hopes that this impossible promise will come to pass. And so they set out with with some family with them, we read, and and they go to the land of Canaan. Even though there's another people occupying the land, the Lord told them that this, this was the land of promise for them. This is where you're going to go. One day, your offspring will live in this land. 
Now we have to take a second to appreciate the place that this story would have had in the life of the ancient Israelites. They're being told this story by their parents, by their grandparents, as they're in slavery in Egypt. And they believe the story. They believe the promise of God, just as Abram did. They believe that there is a land of promise out there that God will deliver them to. It would have been difficult. But the ones hearing this story desire this land for themselves because they are in slavery in Egypt and they want that freedom. They want that promised land, not only for themselves, but for their children. They want to find ultimate Sabbath rest in this land. That's what we're meant to feel as we read this text. It's not just Abram desiring it. It's the people in Israel desiring to be in the land. And it's also meant for us to feel this desire for the promised land of God that through Christ we have obtained by grace through faith. We're meant to feel this with the people of God because we are the people of God. And this is the story of the people of God. This is our story. God wants them to find their ultimate rest and he wants them to remain in the land but they fail over and over. The people of God fail when they come into the land. And this is the story that we're being immersed in. We need God to bring us into the land. And not a a bringing us into the land that's conditional on what we do, conditional on our obedience to be able to stay there. The land that the offspring of Abram will occupy one day is going to be fulfilled in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And it's important that we understand the promise was about more than the land. It was about bringing the people of God into an eternal Sabbath rest in the promised land. Not the tract of land, but but in God's eternal rest. We saw this in the book of Hebrews, and now we're seeing what the book of Hebrews is talking about, how this is pointing to that ultimate eternal Sabbath rest that God promises. And so what do we do? What do we see? What does Abram do after he finds out that this tract of land is the land his offspring will occupy? He builds an altar. We see that he's rejected the idolatry that God called him out of because he builds an altar to the one true God. And it's a response of gratitude. He sees the promise and responds by building an altar. And we have to remember something here. This is an amazing act of faith. Abram has received nothing so far. He's seen the land, but he's not told it's his. He's told that it's the land of his children who he doesn't have yet, and his wife is still barren, and she's still old. But yet what does he do? He builds an altar in gratitude to God. He is taking an amazing step of faith He's been shown this land, but he doesn't yet have possession of it. It is still just a promise that is far off. But clearly we see he believes it by faith. He believes it by faith. And you can see from this passage why Abraham is an example for us of faith in the New Testament, why it comes up in the New Testament that we're supposed to be like Abraham when it comes to faith. 
He is looking not to himself, but to the promise of God. In fact, we will see further on in the book of Hebrews that this is what the Old Testament saints, all of them, are doing. That's what Hebrews 11 is about. Is about. The hall of fame of faith is about doing what Abram did here, believing in the promise even though it was in the distance. The Old Testament saints were doing what Abram did. They were being saved by grace through faith. They were looking for the Messiah, and they were trusting in the eternal promise, the eternal rest that would be received in the Messiah. And so as we conclude this morning, I want us to think about two important applications from this passage. The first is that we are called to follow God also. Our faith is not something that is merely passive. Yes, our salvation is delivered to us by God. We don't contribute to it, but our response to it, what we do is not passive. Abram was called to leave his country and his family and his idolatry. I'm not suggesting here that this this, uh, following God is, is some sort of secret message that you need to figure out and then you're supposed to abandon everything else and pursue it. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that the call on our lives is to, be, to leave behind our belief that we can save ourselves. We, need, we are called to reject the idolatry that we have for our own works. Even our best works, if we believe that they are earning us points with God so that we can be saved, Even our best works, if that's what we believe about them, they are an idol. And like Abram, we need to leave that behind and follow God by faith. And so we're called to follow follow God just as Abram was. We have to step out in faith, trusting that the work of Jesus on our behalf is enough. That we're going to trust in the promise that we can't see yet. But we believe that God will bring us eternally into his kingdom into that true eternal promised land where we, his people, will have Sabbath rest. And secondly, our faith is made manifest in gratitude. We have this framework spelled out for us. The categories of the Heidelberg Catechism are guilt, grace, and gratitude. We, we understand we're sinners. We receive the grace of God as the remedy for our guilt, and then we respond by serving God in gratitude. In fact, our worship is formatted with this exact framework. We confess our sins, we hear the gospel in the scripture and in the sermon, and then we respond by leaving from here in gratitude, serving God for his bringing us to faith and saving us. That's how our lives are to be framed. And as I was preparing this week, I remembered that my final paper for Hebrew class in cemetery, yes, you heard me, cemetery, Most of you have heard that joke out of me before, so it's not new. That's what I call seminary. Um, I pulled up my paper because my final paper was on this passage for Hebrew. And usually when you go back to stuff like that, you're like, oh boy, what did I write here? Boy, I was delusional nine years ago because I wrote it in 2011. Now, there wasn't as much there to help me prepare this week as I'd hoped because a lot of it was boring stuff that I wasn't going to bore you with about Hebrew verbs and all this kind of stuff and the source material arguments and all that kind of stuff. But I did keep reading, thankfully, because I got to the end 
After going through all of these, this writing about the nuances of the text, I got to the end and there was an application section in the paper. God bless Rachel Billings for putting that in there because I thought it was, I thought it was fantastic that she did that because I got there and I was actually quite pleased with what I'd written nine years ago. It was this idea that we see here as our second point of application, that we respond in gratitude. And I, I won't bore you with all the language I use to write a paper correctly, but I, I want to share what I wrote. Paraphrased. All of humanity is by nature in the same state as Abram and Ur. We are entrenched in idolatry and deserving of God's wrath because of sin and rebellion. Despite the change in setting and culture, little has changed. On his own, Abram maybe would have left Ur to depart from his father's house. Maybe he just wanted to find better land for his sheep. But the truth is, it is the call of God that rescues him from idolatry and makes him the father of a great nation. The rescue of one man, Abram, is a, is a miraculous display of God's mercy and grace. But truly, it is in Abraham's seed, Jesus Christ, that this same miraculous mercy is shown to each and every one of us. Just as Abram was called out of Ur, Christians are called out solely by God's grace. God's grace is not given because someone desires to love God and love their neighbor on their own. Instead, they desire to love God and their neighbor because God has first shown his grace and his mercy to us. And so that's how we step out in gratitude. And so we love and serve God and our neighbor. Why? Because we have been first, call we have been first called out by God because he loved us from our unbelief. Abram built an altar because he believed the promise of God. And so may the altar we build, may the altar we build as a response of gratitude be our lives. May we live our lives in the way that Abram did here, trusting in the promise of God and living in gratitude. May we daily offer our lives as living sacrifices to God for what he's done for us. The beauty of this is that each one of us has an altar that looks different than the person next to us. How we live out our faith in gratitude for what God has done doesn't have to look the same for everybody. It looks different for each one of us because God's given us different gifts to serve and love our neighbor with. That's what our gratitude looks like. God blesses each one of us with gifts that we can use for his glory. And we can step out into the world each day in gratitude knowing that God is going to use those gifts. And so let us use them in light of the grace that he has shown to us in Jesus Christ. Abram. Abram stepped out in faith. And so may we step out from here this week doing the same thing, trusting in the same salvation that Abram trusted in, the promise of God. So step out here and be like Abram. Trusting not in yourself, but in the promise of God to save his people. Amen.